Welcome to Catching Up on Podaholics. My name is James Pikeway, and in this episode, we're catching up with Sheena Wilson, an occupational therapist extraordinaire, over 30 years in the industry, and she does something really, really special when it comes to occupational therapy. She doesn't just look at the parts, she looks at the entire person, and her goal ultimately is to make everyone better, demystifying things, getting down and dirty on what really is going on with you. And you know what? She's just a fun person to talk to. We started at Side University. I was a teacher. She was married to a teacher <laughs> 20 years ago. And we finally catch back up after a 10 year break in conversations. It's been 10 years since we at last really did a, a, a radio slash podcast thing. And we get to catch up now. This is Catching Up. It's Potaholics. My name's James Pikeaway and this is Sheena Wilson. Welcome back. Morning. <laughs> well, and you, you. you found your way here, which is always, yes. you know, we're, we are at the Rove Hotel downtown in the podcast studio, which is pretty, pretty impressive. I think that they've actually got one yeah. and, and you found your way here. Yeah. Without Google. <laughs> you know, this is, this is one of those things when I think about Google. Yeah. I love Google. I use Google Maps. Lots of folks use Google Maps. Yeah. But inevitably, those Google Maps lead me astray. And, you know, they, yeah, that's they what can, they did they for you. Do. Yeah. Well, somebody said to me, why do you keep using Google Maps? You've been here for years. Yeah. I said, well, the roads haven't. <laughs> so true. So true. They keep changing. <laughs> and for me, the thing is they keep changing the name. So, you know, Alkale Road is not the Alkale Road that we used to know. Okay. And it's like, oh. And then if people start saying, well, use the 311. It's like, what's that? I know. Yeah. Well, it used to be the Emirates Road, so now the 611 is Emirates Road, so I actually prefer to see 311 and 611 so I don't get into the names. Oh, oh okay. Because then you know which one you're talking about. Because yeah. now it's Sheikh, the Mohammed bin Zayed Road, um, ah. and then the 611 is now the Emirates Road, so it's just easier, 311, 611. Okay, yeah, see, I, I, yeah, I've... <laughs> <laughs> Sheikh yeah. Mohammed bin Zayed, Sheikh Zayed, Emirates, oh yeah, and don't forget, it's somewhere in there they moved Emirates Road, and as you just said, uh -huh. and Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, yeah, yeah. so... I guess that the three eleven. Google Maps is awesome, yeah, because it helps you find the way to get there quicker. If you've got if you've got a meeting and there's there's a, a traffic jam, which other way can you go? Yeah, it's awesome. So Shane, I'm just going to remind you, stay closer to that mic so we get it. I will. Yeah, do. There we go. <laughs> so I I want to catch up here just for a second. Twenty years ago, you and I both arrived in the UAE. Mm -hmm. I arrived for one reason. You arrived for a different reason. You were married to a, yeah. a fellow faculty mm -hmm. member, but you you arrived as an occupational therapist. Yes. and started looking at the landscape of the UAE hmm. and started dreaming and started saying, okay, he's <laughs> like, you know, occupational therapy in the West is, is developed, but in some ways still misunderstood, hmm. but it, it has a history hmm. and occupational therapy in the UAE is pretty new. Well, I didn't actually come from the UK, James. I was in Brunei in Southeast yeah. Asia yeah. for nine years and there was no real services there. It was carte blanche, which I loved because it meant, it really meant I could draw them up. Mm. I could go out and do what I wanted to do. And I set up all sorts of services. Whereas in the UK, I'd have been stuck to one department. However, I, I want to back up for just a second yeah. and, and we'll, we'll go into the Brunei thing. When, when you say you set up all sorts of services and if you were in the UK, you would have been stuck in one department. Mm. Talk to me a little bit about what is occupational <laughs> therapy? Because there are people listening right now who are going, I know what the word. What is she talking about? Yeah, yeah. I know the word. And everyone's heard, heard the word occupational therapy mm. and everyone nods. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And in the back of their mind, they're going, I have no idea what this is. Absolutely. I spent 30 years trying to work out how to say this in one sentence and haven't worked it out yet. You, you can talk as, as uh, build it out as large it, as you need to. Well, the thing is, it's in a simple way, it's occupation as the means and occupation as the end. Occupation as the means, means and occupation, occupation as, as the, the end. end. The end of occupational therapy. Look, it's the word occupation. People think it's gainful employment. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's human occupation. How do we as humans occupy the earth? What do we do when, from we wake up to we go to sleep? Mm. Um, it is a medical rehabilitation service. Um, okay. If you say to somebody... So occupational therapy is, it, it, it still falls into that stream of medicine. It's, it's a medical ser mm. rehabilitation, focusing on the use of occupation and getting people back to their occupation. Okay. So we use occupation as a therapy, but we, use, and as we, we want people to get 
back to daily living activities that they need to be doing like you you what's your role in life as a man you need to support your family you need to go to work you need to drive your car yeah. um a mother might need to go to work also she might also need to take care of the home take what, what's a child's occupation yeah that's a good question what is a child's occupation Play. i mean in, in some ways when i think of that and and it's like oh hold on a second well hold on a second going to school mm, doing the learning yeah, activities self-care, self-care all yep. that becomes play, play, play. A, play is an occupation. Play is how the child learns and develops about oh, the world. You know, okay. that's how the brain develops. So yeah. that's where we specialize in play. As and you know, people look at us and say, oh, "I can do that at home." As off you go, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other art. side of other yeah. side of what you do is yeah. is in some ways, the the therapies involve what appears to be really easy things for anyone to <clears throat> effect, yet. There's a whole series of of education that that occupational therapists go through mm. to create the path, create the links, create the repetition, understand yeah. what's going on, and and that's the key word, right? Understand yeah. what's going on. Well, it, it's a very I, I love the job because it's so varied, and it's mm. you would never get bored. There's just you know such a, a multitude of whether you're if you're working with neonates in a, in in a unit or you're working with a grandmother, you you can it's such a range. It's it's basically uh, analyzing, you know, what what a person it's it, it's pre- prevention or you know helping someone get back to their life. Like someone, yeah. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, one of my patients, Yusuf, he I was in a car accident, broke his neck. Oh, uh, no. The fracture was at C five, C six, which meant he can't use his hands. Yeah, he can u- he can move his arms, but that's all. And he's a draftsman. How oh, is he no. going to go back to work? Yeah. So we have to get him into a wheelchair. He's not going to get. He's not going to improve, but we need to prevent him from getting worse. So he's spinal injury is a condition that we haven't yet worked out how to reconnect the spinal cord. So I have to help him uh, learn to. uh, If he can, he wouldn't be able to drive again because he doesn't have use of his hands. But how is he going to function? How is he getting transfer in and out? Needs wheelchairs, seating, specialized seating. And I did. I was actually a wheelchair and specialized seating therapist in London. Really. Yeah, so I didn't even know that exactly. I mean, I understand yeah. that people are in wheelchairs and people yeah. sit, sit a lot. Yeah. I didn't realize there's a specialty oh, yeah, in that. Yeah. You specialize in wheelchair and spe- it's all the ergonomics of yeah, body yeah. movement and prevention of sores. If you can't, this is like putting it simply, if you can't feel your backside, yeah. uh, you're going to have holes in it and you'll die from it. Oh, man. So there's actually specialized. It's like bed sores. Absolutely. There's specialized cushions and it's the, you know, the sitting on the, you understand the, the dynamics of sitting on a cushion to, in order to keep the blood flowing. Mm. So, like Yusuf would sat in a car. He they went off to Malaysia for a trip. Put his feet on the back of the car, and it was on the radiator, and he couldn't feel the heat, so he burnt his feet. Oh no! This is like a hazard because yeah. they can't feel. So they need to learn how to manoeuvre the wheelchairs around all that. So I, I spoke to a vocational school and said, "Can you train these guys in computers?" So they went, "Oh yeah." They never thought about yeah. it. I said, "Lots of cups of coffee, come on!" And the, the principal <laughs> Lots was an Iban. Of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I was persuading him. Come on, his name was Nor Heizemdin. He's an Iban from the Iban tribe in Borneo. And he was the principal of the vocational school. And he's like, what is a, a, a woman from the hospital want to come and see me for? <laughs> I've seen your school and it's all on the level. And I've got all these young men, young women in wheelchairs. I need to re- rehabilitate them vocationally. They need, yeah. they need jobs. They need to get back to work. And Yusuf was a draftsman. So I, I took him... I went there, I got the course running. They taught them computers. And it turned out one of the lecturers was trained in AutoCAD. So there you he, go. So he offered to train Yusuf in AutoCAD. He knew somebody from a computer shop that donated Yusuf a computer. And then I went to Yusuf's workplace and said, can he come back to work? And they looked at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. But he's, he's actually now better trained than before his accident. And the, the first guy was kind of like, we don't even have computers. I said, well, he has. <laughs> there and, you go. He's, yeah. he's more equipped than the actual yeah. so workplace. Then, so he's, he's, the delight my manager wasn't very helpful. So I went to the director at the top and he's looking at me like, wow, this is awesome. So they got him working in the architect section and it was all modern, so it had lifts. So he could go in. So they got him a job in the architect section, increased his salary because he now had more skills. Uh-huh. And then I, they invited me to come and meet and visit him where he was working. But the young architects, of course, were all, and he said, be careful, guys, she speaks Malay. <laughs> So don't don't talk about her because she'll answer you. Yeah. So and I've got a picture of Yusuf at work, and he's still I'm still on Facebook with him. Wow. And um, so yeah, he he got his life back. Wow. So he, he had his wife, um, and his his child, and you know they had to adapt the house. So he that was him back as much as we physically 
keep yeah. them possible to do, you know. I had a colleague, a friend of his, Tony Chu, he'd lived, he was a standard chartered bank officer. But when I got there, he'd been living in the hospital for 10 years. So and this again back in Brunei. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was on the Scottish committee and it turned out that the bank manager from Standard Chartered Bank, Bill Bruce, was on the committee and I said, hey, Bill, I need a favour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a guy who's a bank, a bank officer in your bank and can I get him back to work? And he came back and he says, now don't get upset with me, Gina. So what, I can get him a job as a telephone operator. Fine, fine. And Tony was like, don't, uh, don't give me a more difficult job because it's now all computerised. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we use something called a Canadian Occupational Performance Measure. Seen as you're Canadian, you might be interested in this. It was developed in Canada by a couple of therapists. A lot of the times we think we know what the patient wants. We don't ask them, what mm. do you want? So what's your motivation? Right, so why, 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 why is that? Why do you think that is that, that we don't actually, in many cases, yeah. want to engage with the patient? We want to prescribe to them. Well, you've you got the medical fraternity. Uh, okay. who It's the parent and the child. You do what uh, I tell okay. you. Right. Yeah, mm. so that's what doctors do. As therapists, if you know transactional analysis, we use Eric, Eric Byrne's transactional analysis. We're adults, so we talk to the patient as if they're an adult person. Mm. You know, so it's adult to adult. So the Canadian Occupational Performance Measure, you sit down with them and you say to them, "What do you want from your life? What do you want to achieve?" So I've got, spy, uh, you know, Tony Chu, the, the physiotherapist, we're trying to get him to walk. So he's never going to walk. Get him in a wheelchair. Get his, you know, look at what else in his life is important. Yeah. Because the guy's never going to walk in. Mentally, you're giving him the wrong information, you know. So I sat down with Tony too, right, Tony, what do you want from your life? Well, he says, I want a job, a house, and a wife. Well, before I left Brunei, I got him a job, a house, Absolutely. and a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Occupational therapists. <laughs> Occupational therapists are an, a, a holistic, all-life therapy. Well, well, that was his goal. So I sat down, you know, with the occupational performance measure and said, yeah. right, tell me. Because that is the best way to understand occupational therapy is that is that copum, they call it the mm. copum. Because you understand that you have a person with their physical, their social, their emotional attributes. Then externally you have the environment, you have the physical environment, the institutions, the schools, the workplaces. And in that circle in between is your occupational performance. So you've got your leisure, your self-care and your productivity. And that covers everybody from babies to elderly. Now, when I came here, a gastroenterologist was, I'd, I'd gone to visit him and he said, oh yes, what do you do? She and I said, well, I'm an occupational therapist and I work with children. And he said, oh, he said, my colleague's a pediatrician, come and visit him. Okay. So this is when we were in Deira. They had a, you know, because everywhere was surrendered around. We, we went to Deira City Centre the other day and Callum says, remember this used to be our shopping centre? Because <laughs> we arrived in, in Dubai, that was the main job. Yeah. So anyway, I went to see this doctor near in Deira. I won't mention his name. And uh, I walked in and he, he looked like Minnie Me, you know, <laughs> Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, you look like you're at the movie. And he goes, and he and he says to me, well, it's very nice of you to come and visit me, my dear. He says, but all my clients are children and they don't need jobs. Oh, I'm so starting at this level. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so when I came here to Dubai, I mean, understand, like, there was three occupation, Indian occupational therapists at the Rashid Hospital. Uh -huh. There was an English lady, Nicola Craven. I was, because I remember Peter Craven from Blue Peter. That's yeah, how I remember her name. She was in Abu Dhabi, but she was in administration. And there was a couple of therapists at the Dubai Special Needs Centre. Mm. And everybody told me, oh, when you go to Brunei, uh, when you go to Dubai, you'll get a job. Well, I came here and there was no jobs. <laughs> so I want to back up to Brunei for a second. Mm. When, w were there, were you the lone wolf of occupational no. therapy there? Or, or was Brunei very progressive with occupational therapists? Well, let me be tactful. Yes, yes. Tactfulness <laughs> is always good. There were about eight local between Malay and Chinese mm. uh, occupational therapists had gone to the UK okay. and had trained and come back and did their knitting. Right. <laughs> and really, there was nobody overseeing them. Nobody understood what they were about. So they just sat down at the back of the hospital and, and I started going up to the wards and I arrived and thought, what have I walked into here? Yeah. But I still keep in contact with a, a, a Chinese male colleague who him and I worked really well together. And I actually said to him, you know, Joan, and him and I are on Strava because we're now cycling. Okay. So he's in Brunei and I'm here. So we're communicating every day. Yeah. How many kilometres have you cycled? <laughs> Which is awesome. But uh, he, he, I once said to him, Joan, he was a lot younger than me. He arrived as a junior therapist. I said, uh, work on neuroscience. 
you know, get involved in neuroscience because it covers everything. Children, mm. psychiatry, head injuries, spinal injuries. You've got a huge range. Well, that's the other thing about occupational therapy. There is a range of, of areas that yeah, you can specialize in. Yeah. Absolutely. And so neuroscience. Yeah, so he obviously didn't take my advice. He's doing, he's doing cardiology. <laughs> he's, he's specializing in cardiac rehabilitation. <laughs> well, you know, with an aging population and some of them with really bad diets, that, that works. That yeah. works. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and lots of diabetes and stuff yeah, as yeah. well. So. So no, I, I, I headed down the path of neuroscience. In fact, actually, when I was in Brunei, I'd come from the UK where I'd trained to do stroke rehabilitation. And when I was What in does that mean? Stroke. Oh, oh stroke, stroke. Stroke rehabilitation. Okay. So when yeah. someone's had a, a cerebral Yeah, yeah I know, I know what a stroke is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and you've got one side. I heard stork rehabilitation. I'm going, stork? Are we talking delivery of babies here? What the? <laughs> no. No, stroke, gotcha. Stroke, gotcha. stroke. So I went out there and, and you're right. And, you know, doing stroke work there was really not much fun because you were dealing with elderly people <laughs> who were in a f- an extended family oh, who expected yeah. their family to care for them. Oh, dear. So trying to get them to do things for themselves was like against the culture. Yeah. Like one lady took the pancakes and threw them at us. <laughs> pancakes what am I making pancakes for my family should be doing this for me so it was like there's no point doing this it's the wrong culture to think about rehabilitation it's just the wrong mindset you have to rehabilitate within that cultural precepts absolutely so um, I moved to the orthopedic department and that was when then they hired a neurosurgeon and I started working with the head injury patients and absolute absolute ball with the young young people who'd been in car accidents getting them back to cycling their bikes driving their cars going to college and who had been in a vegetative state and that's awesome I mean, th- there's one thing that must be, as you have you said already in the few minutes that we've been speaking, the the going from the start till the point where these folks become Back to live in their life, yeah, mm-hmm. is is got to be very very gratifying to Absolutely. to have seen yeah. that progress, especially when they really put in the work and they buy mm-hmm. in and they realize, hold on a second, I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's what's the the real part, the real love about doing that, seeing yeah. seeing people's lives change. You know, and it's it's great. And when I was there, you know, I was, I was working with children and adults mm. with head injuries. And while I'm here, actually, I'm going to make a point. When I meet parents here, I ask one of my questions on my consult form is, Does your, do, will your child accept to wear a car seat? Yeah. And a lot of parents tick, no, we, they refuse to wear car seats. What? They, they're feared to put their car yeah. seat on. And I, I they say won't put to the seatbelt, they won't get in a car seat. And I say to the parents, um, what do you do? And quite a few of them will say, well, I just leave them out of the car seat. One or two parents say, oh, I put them in there kicking and screaming. I said, yeah. that's good. But the parents who say to me, I, I don't strap them in because they're screaming. And I said, well, do you love them? Oh. If you love your child. Yeah. I know it's brutal. Yeah, No, no, you have to be brutal. But look, if they don't... What are they, but what do they say when, when you say well, that? No, there must they, be a, there must be a, a very awkward silence in no, the room. No, I, I say to them, have you heard of Newton's law? Force equals mass times acceleration. Your child will go through that window of your car if you do not. They said, oh, we're, we're just going down the street. I said, yeah. listen, think about it this way. If you're going at 20 kilometres, that's the same as a two-storey building. If your child was to fall off a two-storey building, what do you think they're going to look like? It's better your child's screaming than dead. And yeah. I'm, I'm quite brutal with that because yeah. I saw a lot of children injured and damaged and, and, you know, babies going through windows. Oh, man. So, yeah, so that's one of my questions. And I know it sounds brutal. No, no, I you know, parents, right, you right to the core, child? right to the core. You got it. That's, yeah, you have to understand the weight of your child plus the speed of your car yeah. is the force by which that your child's going to leave. Do, does car. that candor, do you think, change some of their reactions? Um, I've had Why? some say, right, I'm going out right now to get the car seat. <laughs> there we go. That's it. You know what? That's that's it. Even if I can save one life, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't, you just, it's harder to do, it's harder to rehabilitate. It's better to prevent. Yeah, for sure. You know, so, so all you went from Brunei, where you had a small group of occupational therapists. Mm. You end up in, in the UAE, mm. where again, you've got an extraordinarily small group of occupational therapists mm. spread out doing different things. Sounds like you went from same to the same. Not really, because I was working for the government. I was working mm. for the, the 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 Ministry of Health for the Sultan of Brunei in Brunei. And um, while we were there, um, the the girls who were involved in paediatrics, they weren't very proactive, but uh, the head of department, she was good. She'd gone to Singapore and she'd met with a lady called Patricia Wilbarger, who in our... In our profession is, is royalty, mm, you know. Okay. She she worked with Jean Ayres, who's our mentor, who was our mentor. She's, she developed sensory integration therapy. Wow, okay. And when she came back from 
Singapore, she'd spoken to Patricia Wilberg with her daughter Julia to ask them to come to Brunei, but the Brunei uh, government wouldn't pay their, the fee to bring them over to do the training because mm. they, they're specialised in sensory integration therapy, which is what I use. Okay, uh, it's, it's understanding the brain, how it works. And so I, I had done a neuroscience course from the US and I was a little bit worried when they said, we're bringing Patricia Wilberger. <laughs> like, this woman is internationally famous. And you guys have sat there and vegetated and wouldn't know what a neuron is. Yeah. Because when we had a, Paul Orfit from uh, Orfit Industries in Belgium had come through to do orthotics, like splints for the hand. And uh, so he came and gave a course and he'd said, now put it on the volar surface of the hand. And one therapist was like, what's that? And I was like, I'll tell you later. Oh, Shut up. No. Oh, no. <laughs> so when I thought there's a lady coming that's specialised in, in sense integration. And I was like, right, girls, you need to get up to speed. So let me let me give you the modules on the neuroscience and they were like no no you just teach us I said no, no that's not how you learn you're, you're a teacher right give them the chapters you come back and teach us that yeah. the best way to learn is to teach someone you know yeah. what it is so no anyway so I, I did that but uh, I also find in in Brunei there was stuff in a cupboard under dust and I found a book by Glenn Doman now Glenn Doman and Delicato are quite famous in Philadelphia in the US they were American physicists phys- Physiatrists, I can't get my word right. It's physical therapists was a term they used. They were in the military. But what, what did you call it? Physical therapist? Physiatrist. Physiatrist. Yeah, that was a term they used in the US. Really? They were in the military and they were physical therapists. Okay. Now, they'd come out of the military and all these children with cerebral palsy, oh, okay. children who yeah, spasticity yeah. and couldn't move. So they decided to set up uh, a house and they had about, I think, 100 children and they did therapy for two years. I'm amazed wow. that they took it for two years. That's a long time. No progress. Really? How could you... You know, think of the tenacity of um, doing wow. something for two years and you're not seeing progress. I mean, you'd have to be saying to them, hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, they saw these children with, with spastic arms and legs. So their approach was, let's do physical range of motion. Mm. But you see, they then were working with them at a famous neurosurgeon called Temple Fay. And they were talking to him and eventually they started to realise there's nothing wrong with the arms and the legs. It's the brain. Right. And so therefore, how do you affect change to the brain? So I found their book in stuck in a cupboard in Brunei under dust somewhere. So I started <laughs> reading this and it was awesome because of the way it explained how all the senses in the brain is how you get in. And, and of course, it, it kind of gelled with my stroke rehab. It's because I was using the whole sensory deep pressure proprioception type thing. And that's a word that most people are not familiar with, proprioception. Yeah, what is that? Knowledge. It's a Greek word for knowledge of your own body. Okay. And they're all in your joints and your receptors right. so that when you close your eyes, you can still feel your body. That's that's mm. how you move. That's I, you the basis what, I, of your movement. I was doing a, I do a, a yin yoga class uh-huh. and the lady will have the end, she, she goes through, gets us to do that because she'll say, okay, now feel your thumb. Now feel your wrist. Yeah. Now feel the back of your hand. But yoga, I'm, I'm a yoga instructor and I trained with a, an Indian yogi in Brunei. Um, what haven't you done? Is what I want to know. Anyway, keep going. Well, I, I, did, I, did yoga, I did yoga for the, one of the royal princesses in Brunei who was always a, also a famous Malaysian singer. Um, but yoga in itself is weight-bearing. Right. And weight-bearing is proprioceptive feedback. Okay. So it sort of gives you that yeah. feedback. Where's my body and putting pressure. So yeah. that's how you work on that. But So anyway, so I found this book... Blow off the dust. Yeah, uh, and then I'd found something called the Southern California Sense Integration Test. What's this? <laughs> it was. It was, was it tucked into the book? Ah, not, <laughs> nearly. It had these little, all these little shapes, and I was like, "What's this?" But I found the manuals. So awesome! I have the man, the original manuals from Genius. Wow. And uh, so I got this out, and I taught myself how to use this. So, uh, yeah, and. Uh, so Patricia Wilberger would be coming to, to do that. She didn't come in the end, oh. but I actually then started studying the whole sense integration myself and thought, this is amazing. I, I, I looked at the model and the theory and I worked it out and I thought, wow, this is really awesome how it works. So when I came to Dubai, um, obviously my speciality was neurorehabilitation, head injury, spinal injury, that type of thing. I mean, hand injury and stuff as well, but separate. Um, so I worked with Dr. Masadi, Abdul Karim Masadi, who set up the Neurospinal Hospital in Jumeirah Beach Road. Sure, yeah, I know exactly so what you're talking about. Well, he, he was functioning out of the American Hospital in the well care, so I worked with him there. And um, so I was doing that in the morning, but in the afternoon I set up a clinic for children mm. using sense integration therapy. And this was 20 years ago, and people were looking at me like, what are you doing? I had things hanging off the ceiling. They said, are you hanging the kids up? Well, yeah. 
<laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, one mum came in and she said, Sheena, why have you got hooks in the ceiling? And I said, oh, hang the kids up. And yeah. uh, so I started this in a small uh, apartment on the Behera Corniche in Sharjah. Mm. And I actually had children coming from Dubai to visit me because it's not the norm. Most people go from Sharjah to Dubai for Exactly, services. yeah. But they were coming to me and I had a, I had a 10-year-old boy um, his parents are still my friends, <laughs> and uh, he they they brought him to me. And they'd they'd had him assessed in London. His IQ was one hundred and forty one, right. so he was oh, IQ very high, the high yeah, yeah. the highest numbers you can get. But he couldn't write. Interesting. So he said, "You need an occupational therapist." He was very clumsy, very uncoordinated. They'd always thought he was quirky, but they hadn't realised and was really wrong. So his mum arrived um, here in Dubai, um, and she was thinking. Well, no, she was, she was here in Dubai and she'd been told, you need an occupational therapist. She's like, she's from Switzerland. She goes, where the bloody hell am I going to get one of them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she was she was on a compound. And as it happened, uh, I don't want to give too much information, but uh, this family had arrived from Brunei and they were her neighbours. And she was telling the story. So yeah. the, the, her neighbour said, oh, I know one who's just arriving from Brunei. So I literally, this mother <laughs> called me even before I had my clinic set up. Wow. Now that boy did therapy with us. He was in regular school. He was in a good school. In, uh-huh. He was in DES, okay. DES uh, Dubai English speaking school. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, he did therapy with me for three years. Okay. And he couldn't write. But, uh, the, you know, the teachers used to write red pen all over his page and say, this, oh, is, yeah. haven't you, this is disgusting and is this all mm-hmm. you can manage? And mm-hmm. Self-esteem was going oh, down, down the tubes. And that's a big issue, self-esteem. Yeah. Anyway, he was also told by his PE teacher, his, his PE teacher told his mother he'll never play sport. Oh, no. I can tell you that he plays international rugby for the United Arab Emirates. Wow. And they beat Thailand and Guam and they went into Division 1. So That is incredible. That's what, what we is, do. What a success story. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of them. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, and uh, and he's actually written, he's written an article on my Facebook, and on our webpage, obviously a different name, but he's actually talked about yeah. the fact that when he came to us for therapy, it helped him learn how he could use a swing and he's now obviously, he's got a degree and, and all that sort of stuff, and he's playing international rugby, but he said, I won't be going for a manicure pedicure anytime soon, because <laughs> he's not quite keen on the, the, the touch on his skin. Yeah. You know? uh, what, what is your webpage, by the way, if, if, as people are listening and they're saying, hey, I want to find out more about this, and they want to uh, dial it's in? A, it's the Wilson Centre for Child Development. All one word. Uh, yeah. Dot com. Wilson Centre for Child Development dot com, yeah, it would be dot com. Just to, the, what you've got there. Yeah, I'm looking here. Oh, hold on. I got another one too. The Wilson Center for Children dot com. Okay. There we go. <laughs> www.wilsoncenter that's C E N T R E for children dot com. Sorry about that. Uh, if yep. you and, and we'll remind people of that as we're going along sure. through this as well. But uh, yeah. great great resource to also go and check in. So this is twenty years ago. This starts. You mm-hmm. haven't even got your center set up, and you're already demonstrating. Yeah. How this all comes together. Well, yeah. So I, but it wasn't the Wilson Center at that point. I mean, you had other, you went through other iterations and things. And we're not going to dwell on some of those because that's well, a well, whole well, story on itself. No, no, and but I, I was going to say it was actually we started it as the British Occupational Therapy Service, and I, I had to get permission from the British uh, Trade uh, Department in London, oh, and no. I did. Yeah. I got permission. Okay. So yeah, so yeah, it, it went through a transition, and then of course it it became the Wilson Center in 2013. Yeah. Um, and do you know, James, when I came here, I set up. A school for children with learning difficulties. Yeah, um, I remember that. That was in Satwa. Yes, we started in Satwa, and then we moved to to Al Sava. Okay, and it was awesome in terms of we take children for one year, two years, sort their problems, and send them back to school. Right. Um, and I, the drama with trying to get the right name because when we arrived here twenty years ago, the only title this the government would give me was handicapped school. Who wants to no one wants to send their anywhere anyone exactly. to anything that's handicapped. No one wants to be now. I mean, now we call it people of determination. Yeah. I know in Canada, I heard still. I was listening to something today, and they're still calling it special. Well, uh, you see, the children I see are not special needs. Yeah, no, they're, they're regular children who yeah, can't learn. Exactly. You know, and um, the, that, the that, next that stigma, right? When you start putting labels on people, forget all the work you're going to do. They're just looking and say, "I'm not. I'm not as good as the other person." No, yeah. you're a student. Yeah, you, you, exactly. You, you just need some help. Well, we went from handicap school. We managed to get a centre for ha- t- a talented and gifted. Well, it's not okay. right, but it's better than what we had. But yeah. what I want to say is, 
two days ago, I got the activity from the government Learning Difficulty Centre. <laughs> I was thinking 20 years later I've got it. You know, so it's a, a nice feeling. So I want to celebrate with my son. I think you have to. I think, you know, it's <laughs> 20 years. It, what, what's, what's it, it, that fits in so well with what you do. It's mm. patience. Mm-hmm. And it's keep working on it. And yep. like you said, like mm-hmm. these the, like these doctors in, in, oh. in the US, yeah. two years, slowly, 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 you keep working on yeah. this. Yeah. And, and when it doesn't work, you, you shift gears a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, what they realized, there's nothing wrong with the arms and legs. Yeah. It's, it was the brain they needed to activate. And then how do you activate the brain? It's through the senses. Mm. Because we are, our brain is inside that hard skull. Yeah. So you need to get information into that brain and the information goes in through our sensory receptors. Right. And that's the only way you're going to make any change to the brain. So it's just understanding the neurology of how we change a child's development. As, as you've gone through 20 years, are you noticing any change in the way people think about what you're doing? How receptive they are to what you're doing with occupational therapy? Or is that a whole other side of the education process? I'd say there's a lot more therapists. People are probably more familiar with the term occupational therapy, but it's not anywhere near where it should be. Unfortunately, Why do you think that is? It, there's lack of education. There's yeah. lack of knowledge on human development. And mm. that's my mission, <laughs> just to educate. Um, because I'll, I'll give you an example. People come in with a referral. My child needs speech therapy. Yeah. The parent tells me, my child can't speak. And, and who's, who's giving them that referral? That's coming from a doctor? That's coming could from the pediatrician? The, could or? be the doctor. Could be themselves. Okay. But I can guarantee you it's occupational therapy that they're needing mm. because speech is a symptom. Ah, speech okay. delay is not the problem. It's a symptom because you have to understand how the human brain learns to talk. So I want to back up for a second. When, when you're in your office and, and, and a, cl- mm. a potential client mm. comes to visit, yeah. the first thing you do is you do an assessment. The first thing, I, I'm the clearing house. You're the clearing house. Everybody has to come to me. And, and you know, I'm making it, and even more, more even more, sorry, I wasn't dropping into my Scottish there, even more strongly, I'm making it, you're coming to see me for a consult or you're not coming into my service. Really? Well, I'll tell you why. We have parents who sometimes say, I don't need a consult. I just want speech therapy. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you might think that's what you need, but I'm a professional and I'll help you understand what you really need. And, you know, it comes back to bite you because a parent will come back and say, my child hasn't made any progress. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, one father, I gave him the advice. Yeah, I, I went through the consultation process and I said, you need occupational therapy and speech therapy. And he said, no, I just want speech. And I said, against my better judgment, okay, all right, you can have speech. Came back in three months and he said, he's not making any progress. Fortunately, I had written down and we'd had the consult. Yeah. And I said, well... You didn't follow my advice. He said, what was that? So I, rem- I showed it to him and he went, okay, all right, then we'll follow your advice this time. But I had a mum who refused to consult. Refused? Just outright? Oh, oh absolutely. Refused. Don't and, need and it. They no, know better. I, I, no, she said, I, I just know he needs speech therapy because yeah. he can't speak. Uh-huh. So she said, I just want speech therapy. So she came and I happened to be sitting at reception when I heard this mum call a receptionist and say, I'm not continuing because he hasn't made any progress. And I said, Can, give me the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so I spoke. The, now the, the the problem was I needed to had we should one of the staff should have documented that she or had her sign and say she didn't want and that's. But I've said to the staff this week that is why yeah. I do a consultation so people understand what we do here. Right, we're the professionals. We know what your child needs. Yeah. You're coming to us for advice. We're not a shop. Right, you don't walk in and say, well, I'll have that, that, and that. Yeah. Not a supermarket. We are a professional service. And if, you, they, if they're not interested in it, then don't come. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so this mum got all upset and said, well, he hasn't made any progress. And I said, well, that's why we recommend you come for the consult. And that's so we can advise you on what the child really needs. Well, you should have told me before now. Oh. So there's a limit to what we can. So I said, that's it. I'm drawing the line. If people, if parents do not want a consult, yeah. Sorry, go somewhere else. Yeah. Because I do a professional, comprehensive, holistic consultation. Yeah. What's what does so when you say that? Mm. So someone knocks, you know, someone makes a call and they want to come and and visit the Wilson Center. Yeah. 
what that that consultation it's that's that's not a five minute job no and that's not you know like you're going to get a you know a manicure pedicure and you check off the the sheet okay do you have any allergies no do you have you ever had this no No. have you got this it's not that and then you sign at the bottom sign your name here you go and you know and and you open up the 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 file and you've got that and you take one look at it you have a conversation okay we're going to start next week go and book you know 12 appointments the these these consultations these are intensive i take two hours I get I get a bit heat from my admin saying you need to do it in one hour and that's it. I said no no no, I'm doing an individualized service. That's a and, long time. And if I need to sit there and explain things, it all depends on the client and what they need. So yeah. if you have a child who has many challenges like issues with their immune system, their nutrition, their their eating problems, you're dealing with the whole. Uh, scenario here yeah. and it, it's partly educating the parent as well because like I had a mom yesterday she said I need help because I can't manage I don't know how to sort his behavior he's starting to beat me so I started oh, no. you know talking to her like okay well this is what we're going to do because we had a te- I have a team behind me okay but I I would see the parent who comes in and, it, and we book it for an hour but yeah. I I will depending on the needs of the parent I will continue as to what's required and we go into the full history of a child from their mm. their birth to their sleeping, uh, their eating, their medical, what pharmacology they've had. Do, do you do you let the the folks know that you're doing this before they come so that they okay so they say like they fill out a questionnaire. Okay, questionnaire, and then you can talk about it. And so go there's a it. full questionnaire to fill out from A to Z. So some some folks, as you're going through that, they must they actually it must be a little eye opener for them to realize, oh, you know, I haven't really paid attention. They don't to, see the connection yeah. between poor sleeping. Yeah. And not paying attention at school, for example, yeah. you know, or, you know, a mum walked in, she, her child was with us and uh, one her older child was with us for therapy and she called me up and she said, Sheena, I want to bring my two-year-old to see you because he needs speech. And I'm like, I don't want to see your two-year-old, I want to see you because right. I need a full comprehensive evaluation. And she says, no, no, I need you to see my child. But every child's got two eyes and two ears and two legs, yeah. you know, they're not going to look any different. But uh, so anyway, she came and so when I started to go through the history He's not eating properly. He's not sleeping properly. Yeah. And the and sleeping might be because of not the eating properly, do you exactly. think? Well, well, or eating too late? Or he's, he's not eating enough, so he keeps right. waking up. Ah, okay. So then he's got sleeping issues. Yeah. And he's, he's always got... And then I ask, any medical? No, he's fine. But then into the conversation, every month he has a runny nose. Oh, okay. Well, so that's about immune system's not working well. Yeah. So it's all these things we have to look at. And then it's things like his development. You know, did, when did he crawl? Did he walk? Yeah. What age? Does he toilet? What? what's happening with yeah, his yeah, yeah. personal care. And some, like there's some fathers would say, why are you asking some of these questions? Like, <laughs> what about getting their hair cut or their teeth brushed or their nails cut? He said, like, what's that got to do with him speaking? Yeah. You know, they, yeah, <laughs> they don't yeah. see the connection. Or I have a family who walked in and they'd been sent by a school saying, you've got, an, you've got a problem with articulation. You need to go there. And they walked in and the grandmother was there and she kept saying, it's just articulation. I said, well, let me explain to you what articulation means and where it comes from and how it can affect other aspects of your child's development. So we go through the whole consult process and what I, I, I get them to fill out the questionnaire so we don't have to spend a lot of time and I just clarify everything. Yeah. And then what I do is I take out all the relevant information and then I give them a presentation. I give them a little PowerPoint presentation and okay. I explain how children develop, how the brain works, mm. how, how the vestibular system in the inner ear, how the proprioceptors and how the skin form the foundation of human development and how that can affect speech. It can affect writing, reading. It can affect behaviour, attention and concentration. So once they, the, the change, I had a psychologist years ago, she said, you should see the pa- you need to video that because when yeah. the parent comes in, they're all anxious. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, my child's intelligent. I don't care. Intelligence is not an important factor. Unfortunately, society keeps hanging its hat on the child's intelligent, but it's not the important factor. And she said, the parent's face when they walk out of your consult is completely different from when they walk in because they suddenly like, even the parents yesterday said, this is common, this is logical, this makes sense. But people aren't looking at all the pieces. They're looking at... see the connection between yeah. everything. So I take it all out, the information. So I make notes at the bottom. And at the end, I sit there and I explain everything and how it's all connected. Yeah. Shane, I'm going to stop for a second. You're pulling on something because I keep hearing the mic stand. Yeah, exactly. That's better. <laughs> just don't I, pull I, on that cord. I you, need to fidget you, to focus. You can use your hands, <laughs> but don't fidget with the cord that's right. going into your headphones. No problem. <laughs> all right then. Sorry. <laughs> you can, but you can fidget. Here, here's a pen. Fidget with that. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I always need something to fidget with. Yeah, fidget with that. But, yeah. but th- so that's really interesting, actually. 
And when we start thinking about occupational mm. therapy and we start thinking about these kids, and as mm. you said, the parents, mm. the role of them, two hours, that, but I'm, I'm just going back to that time. That's a, an extraordinary investment on your part mm. yeah. to help them figure out what direction they have to go. Yeah, but it helps them realize their child's not doomed and yeah. they've got hope, there's yeah. optimism, and I'm not a fan of labels. Um, I don't like labeling children. Mm. And, but know, they're so convenient, aren't they? For the person, yeah, for someone. I mean, not necessarily for you, but for the for the professional who wants to put them in a box. Yeah. Um, I had a father in a a consult say to me, "I don't think you like labels." I said, "No, I don't." And he said, "I got that impression." (laughs) Well, you know, you've got your because it's all about dysfunction. Mm. What's your dysfunction? Why do we walk around around being called a dysfunction? You know, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia. Those those labels are used a lot in schools. Absolutely. And the thing is, I read a book years ago by Diane McGuinness about why children can't read. And I liked her statement. She said, if a child can't ride a skateboard, is it this skateboard there? (laughs) See, why don't we celebrate people's abilities and stop focusing on their disabilities? And the problem, there are several problems with labels. I had a mum, she's an administrator at school, she'd come to me to see me about her child, and he needed therapy. And I met her at an exhibition a few years later, and she said to me, oh, my son was diagnosed with dysgraphia. And I said, and? And she went, what? I said, well, why aren't you doing something about it? And she went, can I? (laughs) Oh, no. So that's the danger, is that people think, well, I've got to live with it. Yeah, here we go, this is what I've got. Your brain is plastic. You can change your brain mm. if you understand the neurology of your brain, the neurophysiology of your brain. If you understand how can I improve my brain processing, yeah. and with children it's through play, mm. it's fun, mm. and and that's what we do, you know. And and you know I've I've found a partner in crime. His name's Winford Door. He's from England, but he's Welsh actually, <laughs> but he's Welsh. Um, Winford. He, yeah, he's that's been, a great name. He's been I know he's been doing uh, for the last. He's been in, working in parallel to me. For 20 years and his daughter not he's not in the medical field okay. but his 18 year old daughter uh, was about was wanting to commit suicide because she couldn't read and write oh no and there was nothing wrong with her intelligence and he was like well i'm a business person why can't i help her why i yeah. can do all these other things so he's been connecting with professors from harvard and stuff and he's done he's developed this program and i'm i'm gonna actually marry it with my program because it um it really helps with um older children um, and and it does what we do, but in a in a in a more using an app. Okay. And it's it's in a different way. So he said to me, "Sheena, I want to shake up shake up the establishment." I said, "I'm with you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, "I'm I'm restarting my school program again." And he's mm. sort of looking at me like, "Well, why would you want to have a special needs school? Because we're going to fix them, and they don't need a special needs school." I said, "But the school's only for one or two years." Yeah. That's okay. the beauty because that's what we did is we we took children who were not coping in school. We gave them a, an individualized learning plan. Uh-huh. They have individualized therapy program, small classes, and we, we sorted the problems and we sent them off back to school. And I mean, we had one boy sent to us from the Dubai American Academy. He was at the bottom of the class, couldn't graduate to the next level, came to us. I can't remember if he was with us for one or two years, but his mum very bravely went back there and had him reevaluated, and he was now functioning at the top of his grade level. Imagine. Because well, we sorted the brain. Yeah. Because the educational approach is, let's do more reading, yep. or let's do more writing. Yep. And I don't need to tell you what Einstein said about yep. that one. But, yep. but I had a teacher say to me the other day, she said, well, if a child can't do phonics, why do you keep teaching them phonics? You need to then look at why can the brain not do phonics? I need to analyze. Mm. The, 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 the thing I love about this job is like I'm a detective. Yeah. I analyze where is the root of the problem? Why can a child not learn to read? So you have to analyse the task of reading. See, that's what as a, an occupational therapist is good is analysing human tasks. Mm. What do we? What do you have to do to, to do that task? What skill from your brain do you need? And if you don't have it, we have to get, we have to put it there. Now, visual perception, the ability to recognise symbols, is obviously your visual perception. But where, how does that develop? It develops mm. from the skin. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So. So if, from touch. Yeah. So if your skin cannot recognise textures, forms, shapes, it won't develop your visual perception. Your mm. eyes can see, but your brain doesn't interpret. Ah. So children who cannot recognise shapes, we do. We have a stand, international standardised test called manual form perception. So if I put a shape 
in a child's hand and he's not able to point to what it is on the board and I can guarantee, stake my life on it, he, when we do the visual perceptual test, he will have very poor results. Mm. And I had a, a few months ago, a local family came with her daughter. She's 13. She's in high school. Oh, she's old. Okay. Um, and she's um, really struggling in school. And I did the consultation with the mother. And based on everything she gave me, she said, I said to her, I know that when I do your daughter's assessment, her visual perception is going to be very poor. And And the thing is, Here's another thing People can't quite grasp Why don't you have the child in the consult? Yeah I I was wondering that actually I I get asked this all the time And yesterday the father who walked in says Why why can't I have my three year old child in here? I said well for one thing I will not talk about children in their presence Mm. Because imagine a child sits there and hears Oh he's got this problem and that problem How is he going to be feeling when he leaves the room? He's going to feel like two inches tall Yeah So firstly that's one reason Secondly Can you imagine a three year old sitting there listening to a two-hour conversation. Yeah, they're out of there. And and parents will say that used to say, "Why well, don't I have my child there?" But they leave the room, and they used to talk to my client uh, coordinator, saying, "She's never met my child, but she knows all about him." Yeah. So, because that's the science of the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the science of the job is understanding. Well, all these behaviours tell me what's going on in the brain. Okay. You know, and it tells me what's if he's got uh, problems with sound. Can't stand loud noise, yeah? Doesn't like touch. He's what we call sensory defensive. So then you can start to say, well, he's not going to like to do this, this and this. And I'm like, how do you know that? (laughs) Because I know how the brain works. So there's a science to the job in terms of understanding neuroscience and human behaviour. But then there's the art of doing the therapy. And that baffles everybody as well because they look at us and they say, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. No, the child is. The art of the therapy. I love that. That that that's that's your book. The art of the therapy. Well, I actually had a title from a book, James. It was called the art, the, the science behind stomping in puddles. Okay, that works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I I have a question though. You you've left me hanging, and now I'm I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Your your partner in crime who wants to shake up the establishment and has got this great app and all. Mm-hmm. They, what, what happened with his daughter? Yeah, she's she's good. And yeah. that was that was a long time. That yeah. was, and we're talking twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's got a lot of he's been working in parallel to me so he's got what he's doing is changing the brain mm. what i'm doing is changing the brain i do it with children in a in a sensory integration therapy room mm-hmm. he's using an app and the challenge i always face is having teenagers right because it looks like a childlike therapy room yeah yeah or even an adult um, we're doing it on our we're doing the app on ourselves right because it can actually improve your sports mm. your balance your, your hand-eye coordination, your reaction speed time, your peripheral vision. And, and he developed an eye tracking uh, machine that we put on the computer. Um, strip. It's like an infrared strip. He did it with yeah. NASA. So we can test the children's uh, interaction with the, the eyes and the cerebellum at the back of the head, which controls the whole fine motor control within mm. the body. And uh, you can see that the child can't coordinate all of that. Then how are they going to read? Yeah. But nobody addresses that. It's like, let's find another way to teach you to read. Right. But let's change. So he's working on changing the brain, and this is what I've been doing. So I have a, a, a partner, Karen, Karen Turner. She actually brought me in, in touch with Winford. She kept saying to me, you need to contact Winford. You need to contact Winford. <laughs> and you went, no, I don't. And then so she wore I, you down. So eventually I, I, I started to read his book, and I said, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. We're talking the same. We've even got the same words. It's like yeah. I would say, the, wor- the brain is a work in progress. And he's saying the same thing. Yeah, and that's he, he's got these sentences and his stuff. And one of the things, I, one, of my, one of the books I want to write is called The Human Spectrum. Because mm. none of us are perfect. Yeah. Everybody has some issue. Whether it's self-regulation, whether it's perception, or you know, it's or or their motor skills or their motor planning, whatever. All of us. I needed therapy when I was a child. Mm. I wish I'd been a therapist around for me. You yeah. know, could have helped me with all the various things. You know, I'd like to improve my balance. Yeah. So that's I'm going to do Winford's app and improve my balance so that it'll help with my skiing and my um, cycling. Well, this this is the other thing. As I'm I'm listening to this and I'm you know in in a sense. What you and Winford see, in a sense, uh, uh, I like that one, yeah. is is extreme situations where where you know people are really noticing things, whether it be with speech or whether it be with balance or whether it be with attention. Or, but we you're you're noticing really you know they're they're full on things. But as you said, we all have something, mm-hmm. and it's almost like we all need. We're yeah, we're human, mm-hmm. and it, it, 
you're reminding me of of a psychologist that mm-hmm. I talk to periodically and she comes in, we have a mm-hmm. chat and she's saying, you know, we need a psychological checkup every, you know, now and then. Mm-hmm. And it and I'm listening to you and I'm going, we need brain checkup. We need a brain checkup. Yeah, but we need an <laughs> occupational therapist checkup yep. every now and then just to yep. see where are we at. Yeah. What what have we got going on? And of those things, hey, yeah. what can we start working on a little bit yeah. to that's going to make everything down the road yeah. work a little bit better, especially as we're aging. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because um, my friend whose son came to me when he was 10, she, I met with her the other day and I was telling her about the, the eye tracking. I said, can I get your son and all his rugby friends and we'll, te- yeah. we'll test their eye tracking because it could improve their rugby. Yeah, yeah. And she said, I think I'd like this for me too, she says, because I want to make sure I keep myself in tip-top condition as I get older. And yeah, I thought, yeah. Hmm, good point. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm being purely <laughs> selfish here. I'm thinking, you know, hey, this sounds so like we'll it could do be a, We'll do a complimentary eye test for you, James. So <laughs> you can go. try it out and see how you're... And it, it's fascinating because, you know, I, I've given talks and workshops for parents and I've had fathers, you know, in workshops. And they'll go, Sheena, we could use this in the boardroom. Because, yeah. you know, how to sit still and listen to someone talk for a while yeah, yeah. can be a real challenge. Well, just think of all the all the Zooms we're now doing and the hybrid mm. education systems. And we've gone from mm. in-classroom to online. Mm. And I, I worry about my own students yeah. who they have enough trouble keeping focused in a classroom where I can walk up and down and I can stop things yeah. in, in, you know, when I see them starting to doze off, say, oh, oh okay, yeah. we're going to put a quick activity in here. Yeah. Everyone up. Jumping you know, up and down. Yeah, everyone up here. Let's go out in the hallway and let's yeah. do this. Yeah. I can't do that on a Zoom. And I, I, you know, you know my clientele, yeah. I'm dealing with Emirati women, so they're yeah. not actually putting on their cameras most of the time. <laughs> and and I truly sit there yeah. and I think, and I, I've said it several times, there are a few of them, I'm sure leave. Yeah. They just kind of go, you know, I don't have the time for this. And, yeah. and it's not that it's not interesting. It's just that, you know what, it doesn't, this, this form of learning is not quite working for them. And you're missing, you know, missing the ability to, to challenge multiple senses. Yeah. Well, it's understanding how to be calm and alert. How do you get your, because calm and alert is how we process information. Mm. And it's the best way for children to learn. And, you know, the teacher will usually say the usual mantra from the teacher is sit still and listen. Yeah. But the longer you sit still, (laughs) the less you're going to listen because your brain starts to switch off. Yeah. So it's understanding being calm and alert and how do you achieve that calm and alert state? There is actually a program called the alert program. And I I usually use it for teachers and parents. And that's why, you know, fathers will sit and shake the leg and and I'll be talking to them about their senses. And they're going, what's all this about? And I say, you see the proprioception, see you shaking your leg. Well, that's you working your proprioceptors to keep your brain awake. Right. Chewing gum. Chewing gum activates the proprioceptors in your jaw. Ah. And a London newspaper said, oh, chewing gum increases intelligence. Well, no. (laughs) It increases attention and concentration because it Mm. activates the proprioceptors in the jaw, which keep the brain awake. Ah, okay. So, yeah, it's really kind of understanding how your brain works. We don't spend enough time talking about this. Well, you know, I had a a father years, a local father from from Dubai years ago. I showed him my pyramid. I have a pyramid to show how there's a building block scenario Mm. to get to the academics. And he said, Sheena... This is common sense. And yeah. I said, well, I know that. I'm trying to get everybody else <laughs> on board. You know? And he actually brought, he said, I'm going to bring all my family's children, my brothers and sisters' children, I'm bringing them all to you to test them. Mm. And he did. He brought me 16 children. Wow. From age two to age 16. Six of them needed something. Wow. Six, six out of the 16 needed some kind of help to a, a lesser mm. or greater degree. And I always remember his 16-year-old daughter I could, she was a teenager, so she had a bit of an attitude. Yeah. But, um, 16. Uh-huh. Here we so go. She couldn't stand on one leg for 10 seconds. Uh-huh. I said to her, So, how are you enjoying school? She said, I hate it. How's your reading? I can't read. I said, Yeah, I know. Because she, she can't stand on one leg for 10 seconds means the two hemispheres of her brain are not communicating. Mm. And in order to read, your right hemisphere has to talk to your left hemisphere. And if that's not happening, you're not reading. Yeah. And she she was in James World Academy. Wow. And when, you know. So then she's just getting the teacher saying, well, okay, why don't you understand this? Why don't you know this? Why yeah, don't you know this? Yeah. And she, fellow students are looking at her and they're going, oh, she's the, she's the slow in the one in the class. Yeah, she's yeah. the dummy in the class. There's nothing and wrong with her intelligence. No. She just can't get her brain to process the information. And, and that's what even, you know, Winford will say, all these children are intelligent. And sometimes he's had parents in tears when they realize that they're not, they're not children. 
parents' big anxiety when they walk in the door is my child's intelligent. Yeah. I get that often that sentence comes in before the parent comes yeah, in yeah, the door. Yeah. Or I get a teacher saying, Gina, this child's got this problem, but they're intelligent. I keep saying, how many times do I have to tell you? It's not related to intelligence. Yeah. It's about the, the skill development. It's the development of the brain and how you can then achieve that intellectual potential. Mm. You know, many children are more intelligent than... And, and here's the other thing, I suppose, is... Psycho- some some psychologists would say your IQ is set, it can't change. Well, it's the ability to do an IQ test. So if you can change your brain's ability to process information, of course you can increase your IQ te- your IQ score. And that's what we used to do. We would we would assess children when they came into the school programme. We would do their IQ. So some one child had uh, 132 for his um, verbal and 100 for his non-verbal, which means although they're both scores that are high, yeah. the gap says something is wrong. So we did his therapy and increased his, his non-verbal to 121. Wow. Because he was now able to do the test. Yeah. So it's the ability to do that test and to, to, un- to understand the information. With with the girl who was having trouble standing on that one leg and the right and left hemispheres weren't connecting, what, what kind of, of treatment, what kind of activities did you do with her to help her sort through this challenge? Well, they, they didn't. That particular child didn't come to us, but we find okay. this this is this is quite a common mm. uh, issue. It's developing the vestibular system in the inner ear, okay. which is the vestibular means vestibule. It's a Latin word for chamber. Yeah. So in our inner ear, we have all these little tubes. We have the the, the semicircular canals, the otoliths. They're all filled with jelly. Yeah. That is how we it it controls every muscle in the human body from our ears. Correct. Wow. Every this is your centralized control of the large muscles, the small muscles, your mouth, your yeah. eyes. Everything is controlled from the inner ear on how much tension is in each muscle to help us as humans stand up against the force of gravity. So it's also the gyroscope in the aeroplane. There's there's two main functions, but the 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 first one is about creating tone. Okay. And so that we can actually stand up and have posture yeah. to move. When you see astronauts go to space, uh-huh. there's, no, there's no gravity. Yeah. They float. So you see them all. And now everybody knows Haza al-Mansouri. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I've got my little astronaut sign, but I keep telling everybody he was there long before Haza al-Mansouri. Because <laughs> I always explain, I'm always, I always explain, I've got ADHD, James, sorry. It's, I okay. to sit it's okay. And... Uh, I always explain that when he came down from space, he was carried off the space station. And, and we, you know, for the UAE, he was a hero because he was the first UAE in space. But he was carried because he couldn't walk because his muscles mm. weren't working. Yeah. Have you ever seen men come off spaceships? They're like walking through treacle. They don't have the, the muscle tone. So it's the tension in the muscle comes from there. Now, you know, if you spin yourself, right, you're going to feel dizzy. Yeah. Because your inner ear connects to your eyes. So when you go clockwise your eyes will go anti-clockwise in Uh order to try to keep your world stable but so it's really important to create muscle tone so it's all about movement linear movement rhythmic uh, circular movement rhythmical linear movement is good for calm when you shake you you rock a baby you rock a baby they go to sleep so you're calming the brain down just the same as you throw them up and down in the air air oops (laughs) you've got the baby becoming awake and alert yeah now, what's really concerning is playgrounds, schools are stopping to use roundabouts. Yeah, I noticed that. Because it's dangerous. Right. But you need it for the brain development. Oh, man. You need to spin. Yeah. Children, children love so spinning. So it's sort of like why we have uh, trampoline parks and all those sort of help Trampolines are good as well. because it's up and down yeah. and it's linear swings, jumping up and down. That's what we use for therapy. Mm. I have lots of swings hanging off the ceiling. I have different types of swings. I, I'll, I'll tell you the best swing is a, is a tire tube. Right, okay. Just get yourself a black tire tube, yeah. hang it up, and you'll do your kids' therapy. There you go. Because have them swinging around in that, it develops the, the inner ear. So we need to develop the vestibular system. Interesting. So we have scooter boards and ramps. We have swings suspended from the ceiling. All sorts of swings, log swings, monkey swings, um, hammock swings, <laughs> platform <laughs> swing, you name it, we've got loads. That's why the mum walked in and said, what are you doing hanging all these kids up? Yeah. So we are working on the vestibular system in the inner ear because it does develop the, the muscle system and it's really important to get the integration of the two sides of the body. Okay. Physically, it's really important to have kids 
integrate the two sides because it's really about getting the brain working as one whole unit. And the kids, I mean, the kids start to realize this, right? After a while, after going through these pro, through these processes mm-hmm. and things, they, they must start to feel different. They must, yeah. they're, and as they start to feel different, their confidence increases. And as it's, their confidence yeah. increases, their self-esteem increases. And yeah. parents must notice this. Yeah, absolutely. You see the changes. And the vestibular system is also about spatial relations. Mm. So it's, you imagine the gyroscope in the airplane, which way is my pla- plane up? Yeah. You know, and that relates to things like, you know, people... We'll say a child who can't do the B and the D and the P and the Q. Yeah. Those four letters are only one symbol mm. in four different spatial orientations. Right. But if a child can't do that, it's one of the criteria that they'll get diagnosed with dyslexia. Because, but it's actually an issue of spatial orientation. And when astronauts are in space, when they come back, their scientific data is a mess. Because the letters are all around the wrong way. Interesting. And the numbers. Interesting. But, you know, children, small children will do that because yeah. the brain hasn't yet developed that skill. Yeah. But if it goes beyond a certain age, then there is a, a red flag. Mm. And it's the same with maths. So, Sheena, why aren't more occupational therapists and, and others, why aren't we seeing more of this type of conversation taking place, this type of therapy taking place. I mean, again, here in the Emirates and, and maybe even globally, you, you folks who are doing this mm-hmm. and looking at things in this way, you're a small group of people. You're, you're not, uh, you know, you're not a dime a dozen. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? I don't know, James. Um, because, it, I, I mean, as you're describing it and as you put this through in the last 55 minutes, mm-hmm. seems pretty obvious. It's and logical. It, the first thing that's going on in my head is, you know, as that father said, who brought in the 16 kids from the family, you know, we all need to, we all need to take a look at this. And as you said, six out of 16. Mm. Well, I, I actually did a project with the Australian school in Sharjah with Annette Wilson when she was the principal. She was the only one who understood what I was talking about. Mm. And I said, I want to come and do a, a, a developmental screening on all your four-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, another school said to me, oh, we have all these kids with problems. I said, if they've got problems, you're past the goal. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to the assessment stage. I'm talking about a, a total blanket screening on all four-year-olds. Yeah. And we will run them through a set of tests to see, are they developmentally at the age of four? Mm. Are they ready to learn? Yeah. So she understood that and she said, Sheena, come and for four years. Four years, okay. I assessed 124 year olds. Wow. And it was a real learning curve for us. Um, you know, and we would get them to do stand in one leg for 10 seconds. Could they do jumping jacks? Can they do prone extension? Can they lift their arms and legs up against yeah. gravity? Can they curl up into a ball? Can they, we asked them to on hands and knees and then we turn their head. Can they keep their, can they keep their arms still? And that tells us, is the brain maturing correctly? Yeah. And a very high percentage were not. So yeah. they're not ready to learn formal academics. Yeah. So the teachers, that's why the teachers are going to struggle. Mm. You know, and I mean, the, there's a whole other talk, topic about academic uh, requirements, like for, like, for example, James, the British curriculum, asking children to read and write at age three and four. Yeah. You know, it's a whole other A little story. speedy, a little speedy. So, um, yeah, so I went and did that for four years. So we've got awesome results and um, I've taken it to the Ministry of Education and talked to them about the, the science behind jumping and puddles yeah. and how if, if you want the UAE to improve their uh, academic scores in the world, then you need to start checking your four-year-olds. Are yeah. they ready to learn? Yeah. Um, so I'm talking to them about that. That's awesome. We've got a lot more we want to talk about. We want to talk about language development. We want to talk about antibiotics. We want to talk about early interventions. But we're going to have to do this again. I think yep. we're, we're going to have to make a, a, a you know a monthly rendezvous to go in mm-hmm. deep and yep. and talk about these issues because this is just fascinating and so poignant today mm-hmm. as we're we're really trying to figure out what's going on with us not only as four-year-olds mm-hmm. but as 80-year-olds and and as we go through our careers imagine if, if folks who've gone through their careers i mean you you can imagine because you know this mm-hmm. who have issues that they've never dealt with issues a bad word but but challenges challenges mm-hmm. that with what does it mean what does it mean with some occupational therapy and some investment of time and mm. some realization, they could they could solve it's also these about, things. It's also about nutrition. Yeah, 
Well, that's it. Food's a big one. Oh, yes. man. Because every job I've been in, I've had to go back and wind, wind my way down to food. Yeah. Because it's Hippocrates. Sure. Father of modern medicine said, all health begins in your yeah. gut. As, as I, st- you know, as I eliminate the sugars, as I do all these things, it's, it's funny because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do my kombucha and other things and people will say, oh, what is that? I say, I'm telling you, you know, or gut, or, gut flora. Gut flora. Yeah. And, and, and then they say, oh, and, and I, and someone said, you know, I, and I said, look, I've been doing my own home testing on things. And they go, what do you mean? I said, well, if I drink a cup of bone broth mm-hmm. in the morning mm-hmm. before, you know, right before breakfast yeah. and, you know, and have a modest breakfast. If I drink a cup of bone broth, which I make myself, so I know that, you know, I have zero acid reflux. If I don't drink a cup of bone broth, mm. I have re- acid reflux during the day. It, li- it lines your intestines. Yeah. 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 And I'm going, so all I got to do is make a nice cup of bone broth mm. and I'm okay. Mm. And they're going, well, it seems so simple, James. I'm going, it works. Yeah, it, it works. works. <laughs> it works. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just, I've just done Eric Edmides from his Canadian. I've done his Wild Fit program. Okay. That's awesome too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I've been studying nutrition for the last 20 years. Well, and, and another one is juicing. I'm, I'm big into juicing. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of folks say, oh, you got to be aware of the sugars and this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? Take a look at the juice master, Jason Vale, uh-huh. and yeah. read some of Jason Vale stuff. And, and he's just a living example of it, right? Because the guy had like 90% psoriasis over his yep. body. Sorted it all out. Sorted it out with juicing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so I juice every day. Mm-hmm. It's in, in fact, I got a great story. You're going to love this one. We had what, 12 years ago, we went, we went to, uh, went to Kenya mm-hmm. and we, we had a dilemma. Do we buy a zoom lens uh-huh. or do we buy a juicer? <laughs> Not much difference. <laughs> well, yeah. And, <laughs> and to this day, my wife goes, you know, we, we went to Kenya. We don't really have that good of pictures because we bought the juicer instead. And the juicer, <laughs> this is the craziest thing. The juicer is to this day still working and I use the thing twice a day wow. and it awesome. still works wow. and we great. juice. So it's anyway, Brilliant. anyway but you're back to you, that, that, that's aside gut health. It's a whole other, whole other so story. There we go. So there we go. So where are we going to pick up next? Where are we going to, which one do you want to start with? I want to tease it out. Mm, you choose. Mm, start from the bottom. I, well, why don't we start with language? We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, kick off language. next with language yeah. development. Yeah, it's a big issue. There we go. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Catching up is the program. We've been talking with Sheena Wilson. She's the director and CEO of the Wilson Center for Child Development and Rehabilitation. If you want to get in touch with them, www.wilsoncenter, that's C-E-N-T-R-E, forchildren.com. It's that simple. You guys on social media as well? Yes. Facebook. We'll find you. We search you. We'll find you. Yeah, yeah. I'll put up all the links. It's all there. It's that simple. I did. I did. I did do some uh, f- uh, live Facebook. Okay. Uh, we're going to keep doing those workshops. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate you coming out here. It's great to catch up, and we're going to keep doing more and more and more of this, Sheena. This is a lot of fun. Yep. You want to find out more about us? Potaholics with a K at gmail.com. You can send us a message www.potaholics.com and of course we're coming to you from the Rove Hotel downtown in the podcast studio music by archesaudio.com we're going to do it all again real soon thank you very much for hanging out this is Potaholics Potaholics